Whether you are a single parent or married, there are so many important principles you want to pour into your child about valuing their heart, how to handle romantic love, dating, the meaning of marriage, all important topics that we parents rarely feel we have the time or know-how to tackle. And so it is that I have developed an ongoing occasional series on the Practically Speaking Mom podcast that is specifically designed to get you thinking more about the topic of guiding your child's heart through relationships so that you can be formulating your principles and philosophies in this area of life right now, even if your kids are young. The clearer our philosophy and principles about our child's heart relationships, the better equipped and ready we will be for the intentional moments of instilling wisdom in them regarding these complex topics. And so it's time for another heart to heart about your child's heart in another episode from the ongoing occasional series, Guiding Your Child's Heart. Hello, Intentional Moms. This is Val's husband, Rich. Let's listen to a short segment from last week, episode 155. It will set the stage for what you'll hear in these next three episodes about guiding your child's heart. Helping our kids to interpret the messages of the world about hearts and bodies, treasuring and protecting and developing a healthy self-worth. When my kids are around seventh or eighth grade, I like to start having them read some books about relationships, romance, and our hearts. I want them to learn how to do singleness well before entering a relationship. I want them to have a healthy perspective about themselves before they let someone else play a main role in telling them about their value. I want them to be prepared for the world's messages and not be easily fooled or easily swayed in decisions about their heart. The approach I have taken for this is to have several books for my younger teens to read and we discuss. Now, I tell them up front that I don't agree with everything in every one of these books because they're all written by people, not written by God or Creator. So all of the books are incomplete. But as this young teen reads a book and then we discuss the topics in it, what it does is it opens up a whole nother aspect of life that they hadn't thought through yet. It gives them an opportunity to think through these things before they're in the middle of the situations, to open their minds to being prayerful about their perspectives, and to develop principles that have been thought through before they're in the middle of a relationship that could be tugging at their heart and impacting their ability to make good decisions on these things. Our hearts may cloud our judgment. A heart that is enjoying the attention of someone and the the thought of a relationship with them sounds so dreamy that we may not be at the optimal emotional state for making decisions about standards, about actions, about thoughts, about selecting someone worthy of our heart. It is so beneficial to have my young teens read books and discuss them with me prior to romantic relationships. No matter the age of your kids right now, mamas, this is topics you want to be thinking about. In the coming three weeks, I do hope that this will be information that will spur a lot of thought for you. You're not going to agree with my perspective, or you're not going to agree with Abby's perspective. We're all different, and that's great. But at least these conversations will kind of give you a checklist of things you want to be thinking about and figuring out your game plan. 
Now we are ready to begin the next three episodes that are conversations between Val and our sixth child, Abby, as they discuss her three favorite books she read about knowing her value, leading her heart, and navigating relationships. You have picked out your top three books from a list of books that we had you read leading up to really adulthood, but they primarily were books that dealt with your heart. Would you say that? Yeah. So like heart and purity and emotions, how to honor God with your mind and thoughts and your body. So not every book do we 100% agree with. I mean, that would be pretty hard to do unless we Mm -hmm. wrote the book ourselves anyway. (laughs) But really our goal there is that you would see a lot of variety in Mm -hmm. there and it will help kind of shape and help you figure out where you stand on some of these things. And all of them were biblically based Christian books. Okay, so tell us what your top three are. Okay, so my top one is called Lady in Waiting by Jackie Kendall and Debbie Jones. The subtitle is Becoming God's Best While Waiting for Mr. Right. Such a good book. The second one is called Girl Defined by Kristen Clark and Bethany Baird. (laughs) I don't know how to say her last name. But the subtitle for that one is God's Radical Design for Beauty, Femininity, and Identity. Really good book on biblical femininity. The third one is Quest for Love by Elizabeth Elliot. Um, All of these are definitely recommends. My favorites. How many books do you think that we had you read? Upwards of 15, I would say. Yeah, probably so. One of our goals being, I mean, lots of goals in there, most of which is thinking it through. You know, instead of jumping right into relationships, Mm -hmm. instead thinking it through ahead of time so that you can make the most of those relationships, Mm -hmm. so you can have the fewest regrets within those relationships, but also so that you stay very aware of what's going on inside of you Mm -hmm. through all of the decisions of all that. What's going on with your heart? What's going on with your mind? What's going on with your body? You know, just staying so aware of that. And of course, what is going on in your relationship with God being the most important Let's catch up with you for a minute first. Okay. So you are our second youngest of seven. Where did you decide to go to school? So I'm going to College of the Ozarks in Point Lookout, Missouri, which is where my brother currently goes. I will be studying public relations and minoring in ministry. I'm really excited. Well, we're really proud of you and excited for you, especially to go there. It's a really quality school and they really focus on no debt. Right. Which is right. super amazingly wonderful miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to look at your number three book, Quest for Love by Elizabeth Elliot, mm-hmm. True Stories of Passion and Purity. Definitely, she is one of my greatest heroes. Yeah. Um, you want to kind of tell what made her well-known. Okay, so her husband, Jim Elliott, he went to South America with a group of his missionary friends and was being a missionary to a tribe. Uh, He actually got killed going to tell the gospel to them, and they did not receive the gospel before they killed him. And so Elizabeth Elliott was left as a widow, and her and the the wives of the two other guys who went with Jim Elliott went afterwards and were missionaries to the tribes and like learn their language, which had never been done before. And it was just really incredible story. Yeah. So to experience being a widow 
and to go to those people who killed your husband and to love them anyway. And just the level of character for Mm -hmm. someone to do something like that. Mm -hmm. She just, she's written a lot of books that were all very inspiring to me. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of exciting to me that you are (laughs) enjoying one of, one of her books too. Yeah. Okay. So also though, I forgot to put in that story her. So her husband died, Jim Elliott, and then she got remarried after Jim died. And then that guy died. (laughs) I believe also being a missionary to, to a tribe. Um, And then she got married again. So I, I think she got married like three or four times to because her husband's kept dying. Anyways, <laughs> that's why she is an authority on, <laughs> on, on love. This topic. And, yes, that, that's very true. Because she did also have to experience singlehood mm-hmm. and how to do that. Right. And how to experience dating again and doing that. So tell us what are some things that you liked about Quest for Love? I love reading, but I love reading historical fiction. And so sometimes non-fictional books are hard for me, but this one had a lot of stories throughout. So it was very captivating to her attention. So it was one chapter was a story. The next chapter was commenting on what went right in this, what went wrong in this story. All of these stories were like actual true love stories that happened. And a lot of them were encouraging because they were people who did it right and like waited and where we're very patient and intentional and ask God, like, how it should be done. And very- what do you mean, asked God and how it should be done? How their relationship yes. should happen? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They were seeking him throughout the relationship for his guidance yeah. and the, his specifics, not just the general word of God, but also seeking him throughout the process and saying, God, what do you want me to do at this point now that we're at this stage of the relationship? Yeah. I think there were also some stories of people who did it wrong and how we saw in the future how that affected their future relationship, even if they ended up like getting married, um, how that affected them in the future. So that was good. Good stuff. How did she write a book about relationships and romance and all of that and not stir your heart in a negative direction? I think I do remember that it kind of did actually get me thinking in that direction more and kind of get me distracted by it some. But I mean, that's pretty human and you just have to, I don't know, you have to, you have to learn how to control your thoughts because we have to take every thought captive and there, there are going to be even good books like this. There will be thoughts that you have to still control even when it's good. And that doesn't make you like a bad person. It just makes you human. And I was listening to a sermon last week and they were like, our soul is our thoughts, wills, and emotions. And in the Bible, we see examples of people telling their soul to bless the Lord. So, like, we have um, the authority by the power of Christ to tell our emotions what to do. And we can't control what emotions we have, but we can tell them that they are subject to Christ and they have to glorify God. And I, so, I was just reading with Emma this morning in, in my devotions with her, which she's 12. And we were reading the book, Lies Girls Believe. Mm. And something that it said in there was, our thoughts control our feelings. It also said that we have 2,000 to 3,000 thoughts per hour. Yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be plenty of thoughts Hmm. that are distracting, that are overwhelming, that Mm -hmm. are pulling us in a wrong direction. And we do want to learn how to control our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any more you want to add to that? 
Um, well, there's a couple verses that come to mind when I think about how to control your thoughts. First of all, there's a verse that says, um, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition through Thanksgiving, present your request to God in the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding. Um, it has steps for how to live in that peace of Christ. And so when you, when you follow that example, then the peace of Christ will be more prominent in your life. The second verse that comes to mind is, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, think about these things. And so when you have a filter of that on on your mind, and when you think about, when you are conscious of what you're thinking is one of the first steps to changing what you're thinking, then you can filter it through that. Is this is this true? Is this right? Is this pure? Is this lovely? Is this glorifying to God? Then you can more filter that. And first of all, that'll make you a lot more joyful a lot more able to live in God's blessing and his peace. And that'll go well, <laughs> go well for you. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a part of me as a mom who, in thinking of the verse, there, there's another verse that says, don't awaken love before it's time, mm-hmm. which I very much keep that as a benchmark in my thinking in how I handle issues of the heart with my kids. But once you're in high school and everyone around you is dating and it's beginning to be on your mind anyway, I mean, it probably, you know, is on girls' minds maybe at 11, you know, would be a typical age Honestly, where it really me, is unless, and it could be even younger than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was a if, lot younger for me. Yeah, it, it's just going to vary, mm-hmm. but. It depends on who you're friends with, I think. Yeah. And what you're watching and listening to. Because my friends in elementary school, honestly, were like, I was in like third grade and they were talking about dating guys. I was like, okay. (laughs) And at that time, I didn't know to like be more guarded about that or even pick different friends. And so it was much younger. Yeah, I I guess if I think about it, it, when I was in kindergarten, I remember people kidding, you know, is that your boyfriend? Yeah. You know, ha, ha, ha. So anyway, it's certainly, it's a thing. Kindergarten? All along. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Certainly it's a thing all along, especially for girls to just be thinking about romance. Mm-hmm. But by the time you are getting to high school, you really want to be figuring, you want your child to be figuring out principles that are important in mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. And so it it really is important for us to do some focused yeah. attention on developing correct thinking there. Yeah. So, mm. okay. Any story that stood out to you or principles that stood out to you in this book? I think it was this book um, that there was a story of this girl who met this guy and, and the guy like asked her on a date or something and she was like, Okay, but you have to read this book first. And she made him read a whole book before he took her out on a date. And I was like, hmm, that might be that might be a, a tiny bit much. But, like, I really appreciate that boundary to be like, this can't be just, like, a flippant thing that you do. You kind of have to make him work for it more. And I don't know. That makes sense? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if nothing else, I see from that that she had quite a lot of value in herself. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, you have to respect yourself before other people respect you. Well, you taught me that. <laughs> and you have to treat others how to treat you. You said that kind of fast, but let's go back to what you just said. You have to teach others how to treat you. Yeah. I think usually I use the word train. You have to train mm-hmm. others how to treat you. So that means we have to 
know what our boundaries are mm-hmm. in all things, not just, you know, guy girl relationships and when you're dating, mm-hmm. but, but know how are you going to allow people to treat you mm-hmm. and then be okay with letting them know that, that that's, you know what? I really, really like this friendship, but this is my boundary in how I'm treated. And that situation right there really crossed that boundary. So I hope that that won't happen again so that this relationship can continue. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be an example. Yeah. Do you have some thoughts with that? Yeah. I, um, as a person, really don't like confrontation. So this concept has been really hard for me, but I think it all comes back to identity and what you believe, who you believe you are like how much you value yourself will end up coming out in how you treat yourself and and then how other people treat you and how you make uh, make sure that other people treat you. So if someone is devaluing you, that will be a that will be a red flag, a trigger in your mind thinking like either you are instantly telling yourself the truth about yourself or you are confronting them being like, "Hey, that that's not great. That is not what what you should be saying at the, you know or like it comes back to knowing who you are in Christ. And when I was going through that struggle of identity, I, there were some verses that I had to like cling to. So I would, I would memorize this verse that said like, I'm justified in Christ and, or I'm saved by grace and my works don't save me. And I would repeat that so many times a day in my head. So by the end of it, I am more confident in who I am in Christ. I am just a more confident person in general. So Have your girl memorize scripture. I cannot, like, I think I say that almost every time I'm on the podcast. Have your children memorize scripture because that is the truth. And if you measure what they think about themselves by the Bible, they will be more confident. They will be more successful because that is simply where joy comes from. That is simply where peace comes from. And without that, they will look more like the world. And that really is where knowing scripture and living by scripture is where this kind of goes awry or where it goes well. So all of these books that we choose, they're really an opportunity for you to think things through and also an opportunity for us to have conversation. Mm-hmm. And and so I want to just real quickly tell you guys some other books for younger ages that you could choose that just give opportunity for conversation. And so a young age would be The Princess and the Kiss. By Jenny Bishop, A Story of God's Gift of Purity. <laughs> and there's a workbook that's available with this too. And I call it a workbook, which probably is not that great of it. It's more like an activity book. It's got different extra activities you can do with it. And there's a boy version of it also that's called The Squire and the Scroll. And then let me give you another one. This is one of my all-time favorite kids chapter books for all of character development and decision making. And that's called... Will you tell them this one? Yeah, Pinocchio's Quest by Robert Rogland. There is so much great discussion that can happen from this, and it is such an interesting book. I mean, all the ages will really enjoy listening to this chapter book. I remember reading it as uh, you sat like three of us kids down and read it. Like, we read one chapter or half chapter every night, and that was always fun. So we will hear from Abby on her second book choice next time, which is what? Girl Defined, God's Radical Design for Beauty, Femininity, and Identity by Kristen Clark and Bethany Baird. Well-intentional friends, this closes out the first of three conversations between Abby and I. 
for the next two episodes, you're going to need to really hold on to your hats because the energy level and content increases a lot as we talk about Abby's second and first book picks and all the topics involved in those books. Oh, and guess what? Emma and I have a little something for you too. Emma is my youngest daughter and she and I did a series on this similar topic but from a middle school perspective in episodes 131 and 132. And when we made those episodes, Emma and I put together a Spotify playlist about self-worth and identity. And I'm going to have a link to that Spotify playlist in the show notes, along with some former episodes. I'll have links to those as well on this topic of guarding your child's heart. You've been listening to episode 156 of the Practically Speaking Mom podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't and share it with a friend. If it's been a blessing to you, it might be a blessing to them. See you Monday. Monday.